It's Pentecost Sunday. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said it is Pentecost Sunday. Thank you for your pitiful applause there. See, evidently you don't know what Pentecost is all about. Well, just a little background. Pentecost means 50th. Pente, five, Pentecost. And it occurred 50 days after Passover. You know what Passover is, don't you? Passover is when, in the Old Testament, Pharaoh would not let the people go. Now, I know you all have called me Pharaoh when I preach too long sometime because I wouldn't let the people go, but this was a different Pharaoh. He was an evil Pharaoh. I'm trying to do everything I can to make it hard for you to go to hell. And you're going to hear more of that every day that we go because you've got family and friends that are on their way to hell right now. And I'm going to make it hard for you and hard for them to go to hell. Because we don't have time to play church. Playtime is over. We are in a war zone. We are in a war. And Satan is doing everything he can to distract you, to dazzle you, to confuse you, to get you lured away. He is alluring. There is an, an alluring spirit that has tried to entice people of God into sin, into temptation, into a trap that will trap you, separate you from God, and send you to hell. Wake up. On the day of Pentecost, there were 120 believers, the disciples, 120 in the upper room. And Jesus said, don't leave until you have been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost from on high. Don't leave. Can I just be plain? Thank you. I only needed one to say it was okay. The devil has tried to shut us up for too long. The Holy Spirit came as a rushing mighty wind. Right? That's what the Bible says. But the enemy has been trying to put the fire out and quiet the sound. And most churches around the country today and around the globe today don't want the rushing mighty wind. They want a quiet, gentle breeze. I may just make you mad. I don't know. But there's a lot of churches. They, they call themselves seeker-sensitive. And we've become so seeker-sensitive we don't want to scare people away with the Holy Ghost. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, a few years ago, I even succumbed a little bit and thought, well, maybe that's what we need to do. We just need to ease off a little bit because... You know, Pentecostals all swim in the deep end. They, they just plunge right in, you know. And I understand that some folks on their journey, they just, you know, they got their toe in. Maybe some's got their, their ankle in. 
Some are in there about knee deep. And everybody's not ready for all this. We want to calm him down because we don't want to scare folks away. That's true. It's true. It's happened in churches all over the country, all over the world. So the morning worship hour, which used to be the time where you come and get charged up and filled up and overflowing and celebrating what God did for the last six days, that's what Sunday ought to be. It's the day that we come and celebrate the folks that got saved yesterday and two days ago and four days ago. We, got, we come and celebrate on Sunday what's happened during the week. Because if we are full of the Holy Ghost, then during the week we're going to be telling people about Jesus. If we're full of the Holy Ghost, we're going to be sowing seed, blessing people, helping people, feeding people, turning people's lives around by the power of the Holy Ghost that's in us. So when we come on Sunday... We just come to celebrate. We just come to shout. We come to rejoice. We come to tell everybody what God did for us. We want to shout it from the mountaintop. We want everybody to know, hey, look what God did. Look, look, look what God did in my life. Look what God did in my family. Look what he did for my children. Look what he did for my baby. I just got to tell everybody. I don't care what nobody thinks. I don't care what they think of me. It don't matter. I want to shout a little bit. I want to jump. I want to dance. I want to spin. I want to praise him. It's Holy Ghost. It's Pentecost. It's the fire of the Holy Spirit and I don't really care but the devil's been trying to put out the rushing put out the fire and quench the spirit and quieten down the rushing mighty wind and just have a little just a gentle breeze it's okay if we can feel the Lord a little bit and then keep it all in here Whatever we do in here, it's okay. Just don't take it out there. Just don't tell anybody out there. Just don't talk to anybody on the workplace. Just don't tell your neighbors. Just don't tell your friends. Just, just don't pray for your family because, you know, they, the church would fall in if they ever came to church. So just leave that one alone. When the day of Pentecost... Fully came. That means it's, it's all here. It's all the Holy Ghost. It's fire. It's wind. It's shouting. It's speaking in tongues. Oh. We're not supposed to do that, somebody says, unless there's an interpretation. There'll be one. Let me tell you, I've always got the interpretation. Just ask me if you don't know, if you don't understand. Most of you got it too. If you got the Holy Ghost, you know. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all divided and fussing and cussing among each other. So we got to get past that place for the Holy Ghost to come. They were all with one accord in one place. Touch your neighbor and say, they got together. They got together. What would happen if we would get together? What would happen if we could unify? What would happen if we could love each other? What would happen if we got each other's back? I don't have time to preach today. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. When the Holy Ghost was poured out, there was a sound. There was a sound from heaven. 
It was the sound out of this world, from another world. It was not anything they had heard before. The sound of the rushing mighty wind, the sound of the Holy Ghost from heaven, the sound that came when they were in one place and one accord was nothing like anybody had ever heard before. It was the sound from heaven and it was a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house. Nobody was left unaffected. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them what looked like divided tongues of fire. And it sat on them. If you looked at somebody, there was fire on them. If you looked at somebody, there was, there was fire on them. Natasha's back here on the organ. She moved here from Ukraine. They tell the story that her dad, they were having prayer meeting at their house. And the neighbors saw the place on fire. And they called the fire trucks. And when the fire trucks came in going to the house, they saw a house where the roof was on fire. It was consumed with fire. Fire was coming out of the top of the house. But when they got there, it was just a Pentecostal prayer meeting. They were in there praying in the Holy Ghost. They were in there speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. They were in there worshiping God, shouting hallelujah, glory to the King, the Most High, the Creator of the universe, the one that stepped out on nothing because there was nothing to step out onto. And he said nothing to nobody because there was nobody to say nothing to. But he said, let there be and there was because God is the Creator of the world and the universe and everything that is verse 4 and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance that's Pentecost you can deny it you can say it was for the early church just to get the church started, to give them a boost. If we've ever needed a boost, we need a boost now. If we've ever needed something to get started, we need the fire of the Holy Spirit to get started now. If we've ever needed an outpouring, we need an outpouring now. There's a devil loose. On planet earth there are hordes of demons that have been released on planet earth but we are living in a moment we are part of the prophetic last days God has a remnant church he has saved the best for last the devil would have you think you are all by yourself he would have you think that you are all alone he would have you think that nobody knows about you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody is concerned about you. If you died, the devil would have you think that nobody would even show up at your funeral. But I need to tell you, the devil is a liar. He is the father of lies, and you are not alone. You may feel alone sometimes. You may feel like nobody cares, but the devil is nothing but a liar. Pentecost is the fulfillment of two promises Joel 2 28 he said I will pour out my spirit on all people on all flesh he reiterates that again in the New Testament 
And then in John 14, Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. That word is translated comforter. From a Greek word, parakletos, which we get our word paraclete. Something that attaches itself to you. The Holy Spirit comes and wraps his arms around you. And the Bible says that he is in front of you and he is behind you. He is beside you. He is above you and he is in you. He is your comforter. He is your helper and he abides with you and he shall be in you. This is the fulfillment of Pentecost. These are the promises that we have of the Holy Spirit to help us. From the day of Pentecost. John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit. They that worship him worship in spirit and in truth. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to come into our heart, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when you get saved, when you invite Christ into your heart, because God is a spirit, he comes into your heart. But in Acts chapter 19, Paul said to the disciples on the coast, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed. So they were already believers. So according to John 4, 24, because God is a spirit, they had already received the spirit of God, right? Because they were believers. But he said, have you received the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, since you believed? Indicating that there was something more besides the Spirit of God coming into your heart when you invite him to come into your heart and be your Savior. He was saying, there's something more. As a matter of fact, five times in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit was poured out five times and they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Three out of five times, they laid hands on them. And when they laid hands on them, suddenly, there was a suddenly that took place. The Holy Spirit came into them and they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. From the word glossolalia, to speak in other tongues, other languages. Some people call it a prayer language. It's something the devil can't understand. One of the reasons you ought to be full of the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues is because the devil don't know what you're saying. When you pray in English, as, as fervent as you pray, as good as you might be able to pray, you might be a veteran, 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 teaching people to pray, kind of a prayer person. But if you're still praying in English, the devil knows every word you say, and he will use your words against you. But when you begin to pray in an unknown tongue, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, when you pray in the Spirit, the Spirit himself, the Bible says, makes intercession for you with groanings and utterings that you don't even know, that you can't even say. And when, you, when the Holy Spirit is praying through you and you pray in another tongue, in an unknown tongue, you are praying to the Father in heaven. The Holy Spirit is interceding or he is praying through you and Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you on your behalf. So one of the best reasons to pray in another tongue is because the devil don't even know what you're saying. We're living in a war zone. The devil wants you to believe that God has abandoned you. Anybody felt alone this month, this year? Anybody? The last 24 months? 26 months, anybody felt alone? You felt like you were by yourself? You're going through COVID by yourself? You're going through hell by yourself? 
you're going through whatever by yourself, even though you got family and loved ones and maybe you're married, you got kids, you feel like nobody knows what you're going through. You've got something in your spirit that's just, it's like something's happening. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. I can't verbalize it. I can't say it, but I'm, I'm not afraid because God's not giving me a spirit of fear, power, love, and a sound mind, but I'm, it's like I, I know something. I, I don't know what it is, but I know something's not right. Something's stirring. Something. Anybody had that feeling, that sense? That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Spirit pricking your spirit. That's Holy Ghost discernment. Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never. So you're not alone. You're not by yourself. And I want to show you, I want to prove to you in several places that you are not by yourself. He will not abandon you. He has not abandoned you. You may feel alone sometimes. You may feel like you are by yourself, but he has not abandoned you. Understand the Antichrist agenda seems to be gaining ground at a rapid pace. Seems to be. Seems to be. Everything is not always as it seems. The media wants you to believe that. The devil in his crowd wants you to believe that. But you are not alone. There are more of us than there are of them. You are part of the remnant, which means you are that which remains. When others have quit, when others have walked away, when others have given up, when others are ready to say, there's no way I can make it through, there's no hope, and some are ready to take their own life, you're not alone. You're not by yourself. Romans 11, here it is. And I'm recapping some things I talked to you about not being alone a few weeks ago. But this is, you've got to get this. In Romans 11, verse 1 through 5, has God cast away his people? Nope. Certainly not. God has not cast away his people. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleaded with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets. They've torn down your altars. And I alone am left. And now they're seeking my life. But what does the divine response say to him in Romans chapter 11? Here's what God says. I have reserved for myself 7,000. Seven is the number of completion. It's God's number of perfection. He said, I have reserved for myself 7,000 men. I would presume that's besides women and children. Who have not bowed their knee to Baal. Even so then at this present time there is a remnant according to the election of grace. I've said a lot about a remnant for the last year or so but I want you to understand I've said it. If you are here there is a strong possibility that you are part of God's remnant. You say oh but pastor you don't know my story. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my story. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. But I'm here. I'm here. I haven't quit. I haven't given up. I'm here. And if you haven't quit and you haven't given up and you've invited Christ into your heart, he's got a plan for you. You are, you are part of the remnant. You are a warrior. 
You, you may think I'm not ready for war. I'm not equipped for war. I, every day I turn on the news and there's something different. Everything's happening. And for a while, maybe it was out there. It was over there. It was in that country. It was in that city. And now there are things happening right here where we are in our city, in our state, close to us, to my family, to my friends. But I need to tell you, it's not a, it is not a surprise to God. None of this is a surprise to God. And God knows who you are. And evidently the Bible is true where he said that he would not put more on us than we could bear with Without making a way of escape that we might be able to bear it. So let me tell you, sir, if you are going through the storm, that means God's got you. He knows that you are ready. He knows that you're equipped. He has equipped you. He has prepared you for such a time as this. You might have been through some battles. You might have been through some storms. It may get worse before it get better. It gets better. But God knows where you are, and He's got your number. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's Pentecost. I, Elijah believed that he was alone. He thought it. He, he said it to God. I, I'm the only one. People broke covenant with God. The altar's been torn down. The enemy was seeking to destroy me. He's trying to kill me now. And you feel that way sometimes. This is now. That was several thousand years ago. This is now. You're still not alone. You're still not by yourself. Matthew 24. This kind of describes some Elijah moments that we're going through. Fake messiahs. Lying preachers. It's in the Bible now. It's a message translation. This is Matthew 24, 24 and 25, where the disciples said to Jesus, how will we know the last days? Tell us about the last days. And there's a whole list in chapter 24 where he talks about the famines, the pestilence, the sword. He talks about earthquakes. He talks about all these things that will happen. And then he says there are going to be some fake messiahs, people rising up, calling themselves the messiah, claiming to be Jesus. He said that's going to happen. And then there's going to be a whole host of lying preachers. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Lying preachers. It's right there in the Bible. They're going to pop up everywhere. Oh, they'll have impressive credentials, but they'll be bewitching people with their performances. It's right there. It's Matthew 24. Read it. It doesn't matter what translation you go to to read it. That's what it says. Fake messiahs, lying preachers. Preachers, impressive credentials, bewitching performances will pull the wool over the eyes of even the elect, even those who ought to know better. Look at your neighbor and say, you better know better. You better pray for discernment. If you've ever needed discernment, we need discernment now on this Pentecost Sunday. We need discernment in this day and age that we are living. We've got to know what's real and what's not. We've got to know who we can trust and who we can't. And we can't know that in our flesh. But when you receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of God, the Holy Spirit living in you, then that discernment shows up and you know. You know that you know that you know. You know who's right. You know who's not right. You know who's doing what they ought to do you know who's playing church he says i've given you fair warning so let's have a reality check some people will never come back to church since covid 76 percent of churchgoers in the united states i don't know about the rest of the world 76 percent stop coming to church 76 percent. Oh, but pastor, they were afraid. We were afraid. I was afraid. 
Go back and read Matthew chapter 24. Stuff's going to happen that will try to intimidate you and push you into fear. You cannot allow fear to overcome you. You cannot allow fear to get on you. You cannot not allow fear to haunt you, to torment you day or night. You cannot because the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have to be full of the Holy Spirit of God. You've got to be so full of the Holy Spirit that when fear tries to get on you, you tell fear where to go. Marriage is no longer sacred. Unborn children are not safe in their mother's womb. Perverted lifestyles are being applauded. Little boys want to pretend to be little girls, and little girls want to pretend to be little boys, and they want us to pretend with them. It's very easy to determine if somebody is a boy or a girl. How can you be confused? Except there's a devil loose. That's why people are confused. There is a demon horde that has been released. There is a spirit of perversion that has been released. And preaching like this is considered hate, hate crime. No, I, I don't hate anybody. I want everybody to read the book, find out the truth, be filled with the Holy Ghost, make it to heaven, spend an eternity with God, with your family, with your loved ones. I don't hate anybody. I hate sin because sin separates us from God. But what's happened the church growth experts, the Barna, the statistician guy, all the statistics. He does all these polls and he calls folks and asks them all these questions. And what he has determined now is that there's very little difference in the lifestyle of so-called Christians and believers and people that could even claim to be an atheist. We go to the same movies. We watch the same stuff. We use the same kind of language. When we used to go by the Ten Commandments and we wouldn't curse or cuss or use the Lord's name in vain. But now people in the church use the Lord's name in vain. We, we drink the same kind of stuff and say, oh, it's all right. God understands. And, you know, they drank wine in the New Testament, so it must be okay. They didn't have purified water then either. Oh, it got quiet up in here right then. We smoke the same stuff. We got church people still smoking weed. Say it calms my nerves. Let me tell you something. I don't need weed. I don't need alcohol. I don't need drugs. I don't need pornography. I don't need some perverted relationship. I have the Holy Spirit of God. He's the most high. The only high I need is the Holy Spirit in me. He gives me peace. He gives me strength. He gives me confidence. He gives me boldness. He gives me everything that I need. Without Him, I am nothing. That is true. I am nothing without Him. But with Him in my heart, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. I don't need some artificial spirit called some kind of alcohol. I don't need some kind of drug that I smoke or that I take to make me feel better or to calm me or to or get me hyped up or to give me energy. I've got the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the Spirit of God. We need an outpouring. We need a revival.
Why don't we believe the Bible? Why are we believing the devil? Why are we believing the world? Why don't we believe the B-I-B-L-E? That's the book for me. Oh, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. If we've ever needed you, we need you now. We need your wisdom. We need your, your peace. We need your guidance. We need your comfort. We need your power. So why do I need the Holy Ghost? I don't have time to preach it all, but I'm going to tell you quickly who he is. First of all, he's your God. Have you ever had a situation and you just needed somebody to guide you? Oh, God, he's the God. He will guide you. If you're blind in the darkest of night, he will guide you through the obstacles through the landmines, through the storms, he will guide you. I remember the first time the Holy Spirit was so real to me. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 11 years old at a church camp, and I spoke in tongues for 55 minutes laying on my back. A few short years later, I was 17 years old. I was a freshman in college, and I'd gotten the call to go back to my hometown. My granddad was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And he was to have surgery in Tallahassee, Florida. And I went home, and we were there through the Thanksgiving holiday. And after a couple days in the hospital, we had gone home. We got a call early, early in the morning. And I remember picking up the phone and hearing the report given to my mom and dad on the other line downstairs. And for a moment, the grief overwhelmed me. The loss overwhelmed me but just for a moment. And it was like something just rose up in me. And the drive to Tallahassee, to the hospital, where we got there before they moved the body, I had so much peace as a 17-year-old boy. I cannot describe the peace as we walked through that storm. And I was close to my granddaddy. But the peace... The Bible says the peace passes understanding. I can testify when you're in a storm, where you're in a crisis, where you're in a war zone, and you need peace, his peace. John 14, 27, Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. And then he said, don't let your heart be troubled. And that peace settled me. So let the storms come, let the winds blow, let the waves come against us, let the lightning flash, let the bad reports, the challenges, whatever they are, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, but God. There's always a divine response. 2 Kings 6, Elijah thought he was alone, but Elisha got a double portion. In chapter 6, they were surrounded 
And when the servant of Elisha, the man of God, got up and went out early the next morning, there was an army, an enemy army of horses and chariots that had surrounded the city. He said, oh, no. Because <laughs> he was in the flesh. Look at your neighbor and say, you better not be in the flesh. See, when you're in the flesh, fear gets on you. When you're in the flesh, in the flesh you, don't, you don't see what you need to see. You don't perceive and understand what you need to perceive and understand. When you're in the flesh, you're in the flesh. You're on your own, baby. He says, oh, no. What are we going to do? The servant asked. Elisha said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us. You thought you were alone, right? See, you just can't always see. The warriors, the angels, the presence. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And he was overwhelmed at the army, at the host of the army, at the sheer number of the enemy that had surrounded them. They thought, these enemies, they thought they had them surrounded. Elisha said, don't be afraid. He prayed a simple prayer. He said, Lord, open his eyes so he may see. This is where we're going. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. This is where we're going in the body of Christ, where God's going to give us supernatural insight. We're going to see things. We're going to know things. We're going to hear things. Things are going to happen. We are going there. You're going to be a part of the remnant? You want to be a warrior? This is where we're going. He said, Lord, open his eyes. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and the servant looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The Lord's army had that fleshly army surrounded. There's more of us than there are of them. There's more of us than there are of them. So Psalm, Psalm 18 verse 39 Here's where we are. Lord, you've armed me with strength for battle. You have subdued my enemies under my feet. So here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to keep his commandments, stay in position, worship, don't quit, wait for his response. Stay in position. Is that important? Keep his commandments. Is that important? Worship, is that important? Don't quit. Is that important? Wait for his response. You ought to take a picture of that screen. You ought to memorize that. Memorize that, that verse. The Lord has armed you. We are armed and dangerous. We are locked and ready for battle. Because he has subdued the enemies under our feet. Let me translate that. We win. It's just that simple. We win. We win. We need the Holy Spirit. I, I started to tell you earlier. He's our God. He is our helper, comforter. The one called along beside us to help us in every situation. Acts 1.8, he is our power. He said, you shall receive power. 
when the Holy Ghost. That word power comes from a Greek word dunamis, which we get our word dynamite from. He gives us dunamis, dynamite power in us. That's power. That's authority to deal with the enemy, to deal with fear, to deal with whatever you might be facing. Dynamite, dunamis, power. You receive power. Then he said he would lead us and guide us into all truth. You receive truth. He fills us with the Holy Spirit, and we speak in other tongues. That's that prayer language, that glossolalia. In the 60s and 70s, there was the charismatic movement that came along, and people in, in Presbyterian churches, Episcopal churches, Catholic churches, Methodist churches, all kinds of churches got filled with the Holy Ghost, and they were coming together. There was an outpouring. It was a wave. The turn of the century. A hundred years ago, 120 years ago, the Holy Spirit was poured out at Azusa Street when Seymour was there. I've been to Azusa Street in California, and I've seen the place where the Holy Spirit was poured out then about 120 years ago. That was the modern outpouring. Well, this is 2022. And guess what? You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me, he said, in Jerusalem, that's here in Chattanooga. And in Judea, that's Tennessee in the southeast region. And Samaria, that's the United States. And to the ends of the earth, that's the whole world. He's going to use us, branching out, because he's given us power in these last days. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit was poured out. <clears throat> Father, nothing happens that you are not aware of. Nothing. You hold the whole world in your hand. You've seen it all. And you've placed your hand of protection upon us. You sent your Holy Spirit to fill us, to baptize us. You've equipped us. You've prepared us for such a time as this. Lord, we're honest when we say we don't like all of this. We're honest when we say we don't really want to walk through some of this. But we are here. We're your servants. We're willing. Use us. Send us. Help us to be your church, to be your people, to be your sons, your daughters, your servants. Use us, Lord, as your remnant, as warriors. We trust you. Father, I pray right now that you would pour out your spirit on sons and daughters in this place, in this room. Those watching by internet now, those that will watch by TV later, I 
pray right now, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit in the name of Jesus, that you would begin to baptize us fresh, that you would give us a fresh touch of your outpouring. In the name of Jesus, do it, Father, do it, Father, do it now, do it now. All over this place, would you just slip your hand up, just right where you are, just slip your hand up and say, Lord, fill me, baptize me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Refill me. If you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit ever, just ask Him to fill you. And He'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit in some ways is like being baptized in water. There is a baptizer and you are the candidate if you've ever been baptized in water. And you step into the pool, you surrender and the baptizer baptizes you because you surrender. You don't fight it, you just relax and you allow the one doing the baptizing to baptize you, to submit you, to uh, submerse you. Being, being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit is very similar. You surrender yourself, your life, your tongue, because it's still your tongue, your vocal cords, your mouth that He wants to fill. But you have to surrender to Him and just say, Lord, baptize me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And the baptizer, the Holy Spirit will submerge you in His presence, in His anointing, in His power, in His love, in His mercy, in His grace. He will submerge you and fill you. And the Bible says when that takes place, out of your belly, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So it's Him in you speaking, coming up out of you. So as you ask him to fill you, to baptize you, or to rebaptize you, just release your tongue and allow him to speak through you. And there'll come a moment that you'll stop speaking in English and you'll begin to speak in an unknown tongue. Just begin to praise him right now and begin to worship him right now and let him baptize you. Father, in Jesus' name, do it now. Baptize us fresh. Fill us with the Holy Spirit now. Let the Holy Ghost flow through us now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, he is a gentleman. There's nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be alarmed of. Just trust him. Just let him flow through you. When you sense his presence, just begin to speak. Let him feel you right now. Let him baptize you now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Do it right now. Do it right now, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus'
your prayer. Fill me up, Lord. Yeah.